Impact, Income, and Influence. Impact, Income, and Influence is the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Werner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? My name is Steve Werner. Welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy on the internet. I'm super excited today. We have a entrepreneurial success coach. He's going to share with you the habits, the mindsets, the things that you need to find success in your entrepreneurial journey. Um, Karen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Steve, thank you so much. I'm pumped to be here and to, to get into this conversation. Awesome. So you graduated college, you went and you did the, the thing, right? You went and worked in corporate, you were crushing it, you were managing people twice your age, which we'll talk about a little bit. And then you knew that like there was more to life. So you had to step outside of that and you had to go serve entrepreneurs. You started your own business. But that's not where this really started. The journey actually started in elementary school. Take us back to that moment and let's get started there. Yeah, so flashback to fourth grade. I'm sitting in the classroom. I was always kind of a shy kid growing up, but was taught by my parents to work really hard and uh, do well in school and things like that. So I'm sitting in class. A teacher asks a question as they normally do to see if someone in the class will participate, answer the question. I raise my hand bravely uh, to give an answer to a question. I don't even remember what subject it was. And I give the answer. The answer was wrong. And in my head, it felt like the entire classroom, including the teacher, were staring at me, judging me, thinking, how could he get that wrong? How stupid of an answer is that? And from that experience, I internalized that unknowingly and carried that with me all the way up until my experience in corporate after graduating from college. So how did that actually impact me? I was in meetings, uh, like you said, I was managing people one and a half to two times uh, older than me. And that's kind of an awkward place to be in, especially right out of college, not really knowing how to manage people, let alone people who are as old as your parents. And so I found myself in conversations and in meetings every single day where I felt uh, really uncomfortable speaking up, having difficult conversations or challenging the status quo. And so if I'm in a meeting with other leaders, I have ideas that I wanted to share. I have something that I don't agree with that's going on and, and how someone's being treated or a certain decision that's being made. But I just felt this voice inside my head. I heard it say, you know, don't speak up. You're going to sound stupid. Don't take a risk. Just play it safe and keep quiet. And little did I know that voice held me back so much, not just in, in work, I started to realize how that was holding me back in really every aspect of life. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of stepping out and, and using my voice and, and kind of speaking up because of that all the way back to, to elementary school, that third grade experience where I got something wrong. So, I mean, I think we've all been there, right? We're all scared of being judged. We are like the first thing that goes through a lot of people's mind, why they hate public speaking, why they hate putting themselves out there is people are going to judge me. 
I just, I just want to be here. I want everyone to like me. So what, how did that change for you? Like, what was the moment where you were like, man, I, something's got to give here. Yeah. I can remember the very specific moment. So I was still working in corporate and I actually had enrolled in a coaching program because I knew I kind of, after a year of searching and, and being really dissatisfied with work, I was searching for kind of that next step, found the industry of coaching, long story short. And when I was in that program, you know, as we're learning these concepts, as we're learning about mindset and how our thoughts impact our feelings and then our actions and therefore our results, mm-hmm. we were going through a part of the program where we were exploring some of the, the rules and some of the voices we have inside of our head that prevent us from stepping out and doing things. And in that exercise, my, my main kind of takeaway was, holy crap, this voice that has been there the whole time, I didn't realize, I didn't even see it as a separate thing. I just figured that was just me. That was my brain. That's how I worked. But there was this, this voice there that had been preventing me for years and years and years from doing things. And then I started to think, wait a minute, when I was in that meeting two days ago and I wanted to say something, I didn't. And it was because of this voice. And then the, the dominoes started to fall and I started to see all the different ways that that was impacting my life. And, and that kind of opened my mind to say, well, what would be possible if I actually learned how to, to reframe or learned how to choose a different thought and, and not listen to that voice? And for me, that was the moment that I started to both understand the, uh, the benefit and the impact that coaching can have in these concepts. And then also got super excited about, all right, well, what could the future hold for me? And for other people that I, that I help if we get out of our own way. That's awesome. I mean, that, I think that is a hundred percent correct. Like you, you see the voice, right. And you're like, Oh my goodness. Like most people don't even realize we're, we talk to ourselves 1500 to 2,500 times a day. We're, we're inputting into our own mind. Right. But it's so fast. And it's just like, so you realize that how, what is like one tactic that you would tell people to use? Because I think some people are like, well, I realize, you know, I say I can't do something or I realize I need to lose weight, right? I, I, I want to eat a salad and not a cheeseburger, but I always go for the cheeseburger or I know I should speak up, but the minute I think I need to, I'm just filled with anxiety. And I, my mind tells me, no, no, no. How, like, what's one or two things that you learned in coaching that changed that game for you? Yeah, for sure. So like you said, awareness, always step one. You can't change anything if you're not actually aware that it's there in the first place. The number one, the easiest, quickest, cheapest, doesn't cost any money to, to implement is to actually, when you are in that moment, when you feel that that anxiety and that fear pop up in your head, you, you notice that thought going, you're like, okay, I, know, I, I noticed the voice, write down what it's saying. Like, that's it stop, stop where you are. Don't let those thoughts continue. Just write down what it's saying, look at it and read it. And that kind of allows you to recognize, okay, that's the voice. That's the separate thing. Now you get to go ahead and choose to find evidence to the contrary. So you can find, so if that voice is saying, uh, you're, you don't know what you're talking about. So don't get up and speak in front of these people. Well, how true is that really? Because it's it's very likely in most cases when I work with people, those thoughts are often based on just not the truth, right? They're based on fear and they're based on uh, just anxiety around not wanting to look stupid. But typically people actually know what they're talking about. They're knowledgeable in a subject. They actually are good at the thing that their brain is telling them that they're not. 
And so we have to actually go and search and find evidence for that to give our brain, to remind our brain, hey, here are all the reasons why that original thought is not actually true. And here are all the reasons why the opposite is true. You'll notice when you shift that thought, you're, you're going to start to feel different in that moment. So as soon as you write down what that voice is originally saying, you write down, okay, what are other true thoughts that I could have? Write those down. That process of slowing yourself down is that's, that's one of the first steps that's going to take, because like you said, our thoughts are flying through our heads so quickly. It's crazy, constant. And so until you actually slow down, start to rewire those neural pathways, then eventually you'll get to the point where you'll have the thought, you'll catch it right away in your head, you'll change it right away in your head, and then you'll actually act differently. Like it's that process of first, it's got to be written and really slowed down. And as you continue to do that, then you can start to be able to do it without writing it down. So that's like, that's a really practical, free way to do it. I've, I still do it. I have a, a notebook right here on my desk that I have those thoughts and, and I'll, I'll kind of reframe them. I mean, that is, that is really, really impactful, implementable advice. And I know it doesn't sound exciting to you guys listening. Like you're like, oh, but it works. It hundred percent works. Just noticing because you might notice a thought, but the minute you take a second to write it down, you have to actually process the thought. And you're like, holy crap, I just told myself I'm what, what I have to say isn't worth anything. That is not true. And then you actually get that little bit of like, no, what I have to say is worth something. What would you say? So this is an interesting question. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If somebody will use the weight loss one, just because it's easy, I think everybody will understand it. And like, everybody's had that experience. If somebody mm -hmm. is like, I need to lose weight, and their brain is telling them something. And they're like, I'm catching it but I don't have the evidence of something else. If they're, if they're 40, 50 pounds overweight, right? And they're like, I don't have, because we always try to grab onto something from our past that supports the opinion. So mm -hmm. I'm over, I, I'm not thin. Oh, I, I realize I just told myself I'm not thin. I'm looking for something that tells me that I am thin. I don't have that memory in my past. How do you change that? Because- that's a little bit different, right? Like they can't yeah. find that. How do you, how would you tell somebody to deal with that? Yeah, that's such a great question. And we're getting with this, we get to get into really the heart of behavior change of mindset change of, of habit formation. So I, I absolutely love this question. So for an example like this, I want to highlight something that you said, because I think it's worth repeating. Our brain uses past experiences and past data to project future outcomes. And so if you want a future that's different than your present and your past, you, you kind of feel stuck, right? Because you're like, well, I have nothing to go off of on the past. If, I, if you're trying to do something for the first time, if you're trying to start a business for the first time, you don't have necessarily the exact uh, experience of, oh, I've started a business before. I can kind of see how I can make this happen. So when it comes to this, your brain, knowing that your brain needs evidence, what we need to do is actually get beneath the surface. So if your goal is to lose 40 to 50 pounds, that's great. That's a goal. That's kind of, when you think about behavior change, that's on the outer ring. If you think about it as kind of three mini circles and they each get bigger as you go to the outside, the outside one is behavior change. And that's just saying, I want something. I want to lose 40 to 50 pounds. A layer deeper than that has to do with the process of achieving that. So what are the habits that it would require to lose 40 to 50 pounds. Okay, let's say 
you know, I have to exercise, I'm going to exercise three times a week. Great. That's a habit. It's also kind of a goal. You're saying it's something that you intend to do, but you are never going to establish a habit or reach a goal unless you get down and deeper into that middle, middle circle, which has to do with identity. And this is where it has to do with the thoughts that you have about yourself and what you're actually capable of. Because while you may not see yourself right now, like you may not be thin, you may not be at the weight that you want to be at, but you need to find something related to your identity about who do you want to be? Because it's not about who you are right now, it's about who you're becoming. So who is that person that you want to be? Is it, I want to be a healthy person so I can be active, uh, an active parent if I have young kids and I want to be able to play with them without my back hurting, right? You have to start to connect it to the why and to the identity and be okay with, okay, you know what? This is the person I'm becoming. It's a process, even though I'm not there yet. And now what you can do is, and we can get into this around habit formation because there are, there are a few different ways, a few big mistakes that people make when trying to form habits uh, that we can talk about how to avoid them. The process then becomes, how do you show your brain evidence that that future you is actually, you already are that person. You already have the capability of being that person now. Um, so if, if you want, that's something we can absolutely dive into because I think it's a, a fun and, and really practical subject. Yeah, we'll come back to it because I actually want to jump back to your story. So you realize you're in corporate America. You start, you first off, my hat is off to you for hiring a personal coach because so many people are like, I don't know if I'm really going to get anything. You obviously did. And I think everybody, if you hire a good coach, you will get results. That's the job of a coach. Just picture if you played sports in high school and you had a great coach, picture that, but somebody who can help you with your life. So you hire a coach, you're still in corporate America, you start to realize this stuff. What started to change with you specifically that led you to now becoming an entrepreneur success coach? Yeah, yeah, right. How, how going from, I'm afraid to speak up in a meeting to I'm leaving my full-time job to, to pursue entrepreneurship. It's a great question. And there, there are a few different pieces that fit into it. And so one of them is uh, a promise I had actually made to myself, which was, I will start a business uh, within the next five years. And for me, I'd always been entrepreneurial. Even as a kid, I used to sell candy to my classmates and you know buy bulk from Costco, sell airheads at a marked up price and all that fun stuff. But I knew I, I, I had the gene, I had the bug, like whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I knew I was so afraid of, of staying tied to, you know, they call it the golden handcuffs, right? The benefits, the salary, whatever, all that stuff. So for me, what I had to do through that process of working with a coach and, and just continuing to uncover what are all these limiting ideas and beliefs that I have, it really became about believing that I was actually capable of doing this and succeeding. And so it became kind of a research process of, show myself what's all the evidence, what are all the skills that I've gained up to date? What are all the things that I know up to date that uh, tell me that I can make this work? So some of that, a really simple way to do this, if there's something that you wanna do and you know other people that are doing it successfully, chances are you'll be able to find someone out there who maybe isn't as good as you at a certain thing or maybe for some reason or another, you're like, I don't think that person's actually as smart or they're not as well connected or they don't have the same resources as I do. Like, what is that advantage that you have that makes you pretty confident? Like, oh, if this person's able to do it, I can for sure do this because I know I have these skills and resources. 
right? So that's kind of a, a quick way to kind of get over any, any objections that you have. And then, like I said, the, I made that promise to myself. My wife and I are married. We have one, uh, we were becoming foster parents at the time in my last year working my corporate job. And so I knew that that was going to come. We were going to start to grow a family. And I knew that as the kids got older, it was only going to get harder to, to walk away from a job. And so there was a little bit of added pressure from that to be like, you know, what, it's now, not now or never like this moment, but like within the next year or two, you got to make a move or it's going to be even harder to make this leap. Mm-hmm. And so combining that with also, uh, I'm a, I'm a faith-filled person and, and that's a really big part of my journey. And so a lot of it had to do with kind of, uh, looking for, for answers, looking for uh, reasons for, for faith and to be able to step out confidently into this and know that you know, things were going to work out. And so those were all kind of pieces of that, that journey to get me from working in corporate to taking that leap. So you, I, like, I love it. I think that, that so many people, like we, we feel that calling. I worked in corporate as well. We feel that calling and we're like, be do like, we have to be more, we have to do more. We have to have more, like we have that like inner gnawing and we feel our happiest when we are out doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you felt this, obviously you start to grow from the coaching and you're like, I have a voice. I have something that I can share. I have something of value. I want to talk. I hope you don't mind, but I want to bring, bring your wife into this a little bit because yeah, being sure. married, getting a foster kid, I like right now I'm dealing with, I have a friend of mine who hates her day job, but is scared to death and has so little time to start an entrepreneurial journey. But she talks about it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, but I have benefits. I have a retirement and I get a, the most addictive thing in the world, a steady paycheck every week. I just, I don't see how I can do it. So how did you have that conversation with your wife and how did how did you end up leaving your job? Like, yeah. So it's interesting. One, I, I love my wife. She has been the most supportive. Like I could not have been able to do this without her, not just support. Like she also works, which is great. And we've kind of kept our living expenses low, which has definitely afforded us uh, the opportunity to do it with at least uh, mitigated risk. Mm-hmm. But she was very encouraging from the start. I had kind of toyed with and dabbled with a few different I would, I wouldn't call them businesses, but entrepreneurial endeavors. Mm-hmm. And she knew that this was something that it was on my heart and it was something that I wanted to do. So before I knew I was going to leave my job to, to start a business, she had, she was like, yeah, I already knew the day that I made the decision. She was like, yeah, finally, like you finally got there. Like I knew you're going to get there. Um, so from that perspective, she was super encouraging. And that last kind of few months of me deciding was the craziest kind of wrestling match between me and that inner voice, right? The inner voice back from elementary school. It's not that it had completely gone away. I wouldn't say it's completely gone now. I've just developed really useful strategies for recognizing it, understanding that I don't have to listen to it and I can take a different path. And so when you are right up against the decision where you are going to do something new and step out into some uncertainty, that's when that voice is gonna get loudest. And so having the support of my wife, uh, having that faith and also believing in myself and, and my capabilities, that all kind of gave me that, that last push. Um, and I, w- I would be lying if I said we didn't prepare at least somewhat financially for that leap. 
um, you know, like I said, we kept our living expenses low. We knew how long we'd be able to last on my wife's salary alone. Even if she lost her job, we kind of had, we thought through worst case scenario. Yeah. I leave, the business makes no money. My wife loses her job. Like we, we talked through that scenario. Uh, and it's actually from an exercise based on a, a Tim Ferriss, uh, fear setting exercise, which I, I love. That's a fun strategy for, especially for big decisions like this. I actually, um, that's right where my mind went. Cause I, I did that as well. And that is what I pointed my friend to. Cause if you, yeah. if you practice this, I mean, it comes from stoicism, but if you practice it, you look through it, it is nowhere near as bad as your mind is making it. Yeah. Like ahead, we went I'm through the, we, we, no, we went through all that, that worst case scenario stuff. And at the end of it, we were like, huh, it's not actually even that bad. Like we'll still be okay. Like we have, we have family support. We've got pl- like, there's so many reasons why even the worst case scenario, which it, the chances of that happening are so, so slim that we would still be okay. You know, that was kind of like, wow, that's, that's a bit of a weight off our shoulders. So I would highly recommend, and actually I have a, uh, I'd be happy to actually give people, I created a PDF of that Tim Ferriss exercise to just go through that for whatever goal or whatever business, you know, you might want to pursue. It can really just take all of that fear and anxiety. That's all living in your head, put it on paper and you'll actually realize how much less scary it is than you think. Awesome. Um, we will definitely, if, do you have a URL for it? I'll put it in the Uh, show notes, but yeah, I do. I do. I'll, I'll make sure that's set up. Okay. If you guys want that, I highly recommend it. I know he put together something absolutely amazing. Check it out in the show notes. So you leave your job and you start doing the success coaching. How did that, like, just give us a few things that, how'd that go? Like, it's a, it's a big moment. Like, it's got to be exciting and a little bit, even though you've done the fear setting exercise, there's a little bit of hesitancy and like, like nervous energy, we'll call it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's really interesting time because when we became foster parents, that was right before I left my full-time job. So we got our, our first, our our only foster placement uh, a week before my last day at work. And then kind of into the new year, it was like, all right, starting fresh. And so, yeah, for sure. I think the, I'll say the first two months were more blissful than kind of stress-ridden and anxiety-ridden. Um, because I'm like so much freedom. There's, I'm doing things that I love doing. I'm, I'm getting to just network with people and build relationships and build on relationships that I had, that I had in the past, but hadn't had the time to really, uh, or hadn't given the time to really develop and cultivate. And so I was, I absolutely, I was on cloud nine for the first few months after that. Then you start to, I think the, the, the doubt starts to creep in. It's like, okay, you know, how are you going to develop systems? How are you going to develop processes to make this a really sustainable thing? You know, you're starting to to pivot. Like you have ideas of what things will look like when the rubber meets the road, you start to learn things and you start to to make some changes to how you're strategizing, how you're building your business and, and things like that. And so I think over that first six months, it was a process of kind of, of ups and downs as the entrepreneurial journey can be. Uh, but ultimately it was, such a, a liberating experience for me to be able to realize that I can make this work. And this is just the beginning. Like, I know I have plenty of years ahead of me. I will, this probably won't be the last business that I start. I'm pretty confident in that. And so just knowing that I have such a a long journey ahead of me, it's kind of more opportunistic in my thinking and more, uh, 
energizing for me as opposed to kind of fear ridden of what am I going to do if, if I can't make ends meet. Got it. So I want to dive into some of the nitty gritty. We talked about mindset, which I think is awesome. We talked about how you can start to change past mindsets and become more empowered in yourself, more believing in yourself. You, you kind of talked about habits a little bit in there, but I think habits are probably the biggest thing that you can do because even when you're an entrepreneur, you have ultimate freedom, right? The whole world is your oyster. You can do anything you want every day that you want. And I, somebody told me this when I got started, they were like, structure is the ultimate freedom. Hmm. Because if you have some structure, if you have some habits, if you have things that you do that set you up for success, it allows you the complete freedom and you can keep living this life over and over. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on habits. What are some of the daily habits that you have? What are great ways to ingrain habits? Because I know people always say, well, I would love to have good habits. I'd love to eat a salad every day. I'd love to go for a run every day. I'd love to work out every day, but they can't mm -hmm. bring themselves to do it. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the habits that you see that are the most influential, most for success-driven entrepreneurs. Um, and then also let's talk about how to actually build those habits. Yeah, for sure. I want to echo one thing that you said really quick before I jump into that uh, mm -hmm. around the point of uh, discipline. I've heard it said like discipline equals freedom or structure equals freedom. And it almost sounds counterintuitive, but you're absolutely right. And one example that resonated with me when I heard it, I like to share it is if you want to be a piano player, right? You want to learn how to, how to play really well. You can't just get up to the piano and have complete freedom and just touch any key that you want and expect it to be beautiful, right? You have to go through the process of, and I'm, I'm not a musician, so the terms may not be the, the most exact, but you need to learn how to play, you know, on the guitar, it's the scales, whatever. You need to learn the basics, the building blocks. Once you learn and master the building blocks, that's the freedom to create beautiful music, but it's only through the discipline of having trained yourself on those foundational building blocks. And so it's the same concept when it comes to building a business, when it comes to building a life that's fulfilling and meaningful for you. And so you asked a few questions around habits. So I'll share kind of some of my, my own personal habits. Um, actually, I have a, a long list. I was actually looking through the list uh, recently to kind of share it with somebody else and realize, wow, I actually have a lot of habits. You don't think about it. But scientists have said anywhere between 40 and 60% of the things that you do are habits, which is kind of, if you think about it, that's kind of a mind-blowing statistic. We are on autopilot all the time. And so for me, I'll talk about some of my favorite or most important habits. One, exercise, 100%. My brain does not work well. My, I don't think as clearly. I don't feel as good. And when I don't feel good, I don't show up the way I need to in my business if I don't exercise. So that's a really important one for me, probably one that many people would have guessed. The other one that actually, especially today, love talking about are around digital dieting is what I call it. Now, what habits do you have around your consumption of media, of time that you spend looking at a screen, of the type of things that you consume when it comes to, to digital media? I very, very, very rarely look at the news, especially with COVID. I, I completely stopped like looking at the news. I get my updates from my loved ones who pay attention to the news. Um, I put my bed to sleep at nine o'clock every night. I don't look at a screen post 9 p.m. because I found that it, and studies have shown, it impacts your sleep and your ability to, again, which will impact your ability to sleep, uh, to think clearly. And so there are, there are lots of things and lots of ways we can talk about like digital habits and the, the impact of that. 
that's a big one for me personally. And also one that I work with my clients on mm-hmm. the other kind of, they kind of clump together. I've kind of stacked them on top of each other, but it has to do with, with breath work, kind of breathing meditation and combination of gratitude, journaling, and visualization. Sounds like a lot. All of that takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes every morning. And, you know, that's another thing that I can put together a resource of just what is, what does that routine actually look like? Uh, Cause it's not complicated and I started small. And so that's, I guess now we can transition uh, into how do you actually form habits, right? Is that kind of the direction you want to go? Yeah, you're doing great. I mean, that's like the, I talk to people about habits. I'm like, and they're always like, ah, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, you said the key phrase, start small, pick the one thing that you can do and do it and do it and do it. And then you can always add something to it, right? Um, I mean, exercise is key. I think there are a lot of people who say that they don't have time for exercise. I hear that excuse a lot. And I'm like, it doesn't, my workout, I do a daily workout. It takes 15 to 20 minutes. I do it right when I get out of bed. It's super easy. And it's not so much, it doesn't involve me driving to the gym. It doesn't involve a bunch of crazy weights. I have two kettlebells and some push-ups, like push-up bars, like super easy, not difficult. Um, I think that's like, one of the things that I see is lowering the bar so that you at least start to get in momentum. If you set, I always talk about the big crazy gym routine, right? People are like, I'm going to get in shape and they go to the gym for four hours and they come back from the gym and they're super sore and they're tired. And then the next day it's really hard to go to the gym. It doesn't feel good. And it's a huge chunk of time. Start with something Mm -hmm. that's like this big, do 10 pushups, five pushups, drink, drink a gallon of water. Like something that's really small and easy and simple to start. I would love to hear about like the breath work stuff. Um, I do, I do a, something from uh, uh, what's Wim, his face? Wim Hof. Yeah. Yep. Iceman. Yeah. Yep. Iceman guy. Um, that one, like that works really well and doesn't take much time no. and makes you, makes you feel good. Um, yeah. Let's dive into it. So how do you, how do you implement a habit and what are the habits that if somebody comes to you cold Turkey and like they're, you become their coach, what's like the first habit that you try to instill in them? Yeah. Uh, I'll give you kind of a cop-out answer. It always depends on the person and kind of their context, the what's the business that they're running, where are the, where do they have the most room for improvement? What's most important to them? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I found, honestly, we can stick with either an extra, we can stick with an exercise habit because I think it's one that it translates well. And as we use it as an example, I think people can see how it clearly applies mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about the tactics. So first, let me actually just start really quickly by saying the two biggest mistakes people make when trying to form habits. And you kind of, you, you hit on one, uh, essentially. So earlier I mentioned, if you only set a goal and don't actually think about the identity behind it and how you think about yourself and how you relate to that behavior, it's never going to stick. Uh, it's just human psychology. We do things, we act in ways that are in accordance with how we believe ourselves to be. So if I see myself as an unhealthy person, it's going to be really hard for me to exercise because that doesn't, there's, there's incongruence between that mm-hmm. action and how I see myself. So we, we need to get those two things in congruence with each other. The second biggest mistake is giving up too early. So most people think as soon as I start a habit, like I should start to see results just kind of in a straight line. Oftentimes with habits, it's kind of a slow, slow build. And this is often where people give up, right? Kind of before it gets to the point where it has an impact. So at a high level, those are, those are two big mistakes people make, but you 
hit on a really specific one, which is to keep it simple. So I always, when I start, focus on one habit. We're not going to try to form 75 habits at once and you have to make it easy. So there are kind of a few principles uh, when it comes to habit formation. And a lot of my thinking around this has been heavily, heavily influenced by the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. I would mm -hmm. highly recommend you know people read that if they haven't. For me, this has been one of the most practical, applicable books I've ever read. And so the, the principle that you're talking about is to make it easy. The, the tactic that I coach people on is literally condense the habit so that it can be formed in two minutes or less. So if you want to form an exercise habit, let's start with something that you can do in less than two minutes. So if you want to get to doing a hundred pushups, let's start with doing five pushups a day. Something that is, is so easy. You, you cannot make an excuse. You can't say I didn't have the time to do it, which that's a much uh, bigger subject. But anytime we say, I don't have time for it. There's, there's more to be, uh, discovered there, but start with something that you can do in two minutes because the, the psychology of it, remember we talked about showing our brain evidence that mm -hmm. something is true about ourselves, even little bits of, even if I do five pushups a day, even if you can show yourself that you can do that consistently, you're starting to give yourself evidence that, okay, that, that identity of this is the person who I want to be, you're showing yourself that you actually are that person. And it is much easier to build on a current habit than to start one from scratch. So it's easier to go from five pushups a day to 10 to 20 than it is to go from no working out to going to the gym for four hours, right? That's, we're just setting ourselves up for failure. And so that, uh, that principle of, of how do you make it as easy as possible, reduce all the friction. I love that you work out, like you get out of bed and work out. You don't drive to the gym. You don't like, you've eliminated all of the barriers to having to work out. And so we've so like very tactically will run through uh, with my clients, how do we reduce every possible friction? So for me, for example, I lay out my workout clothes the night before I put it right next to my bed. I actually will wear the shorts and the shirt that I'm going to work out in to sleep. So all I have to do is put socks on and then put shoes on and then I'm good to do my workout. So it's like getting down into the nitty gritty, even that level of detail to make it as easy as possible for you to, to stick to that habit. So that's one of the, the key, key principles. Start really small, show your brain evidence that you already are that person you're trying to become. And then from there, you can build on that. And then you can start to layer on other habits. I love it. I think that's, that is the best possible way to build a habit. And everybody can do that. You can sit down right now, pick one area of your life that you want to change and pick something you can do in under two minutes. I love that. I've never heard that one before. I've always heard make it simple or make it something that you can mm -hmm. do. Um, and so I absolutely love that. I want to, you kind of gave us some things to avoid there, but I want to see like, what is something that you see a lot of people trying to do or saying they're going to do around habits or success or in entrepreneurship in general, maybe something that you've seen a trait across several entrepreneurs where they're just like, they're, they're handicapping themselves or they're hurting themselves. And it's really, really easy to fix. What's something that you see a lot of people do um, that they shouldn't be doing? Yeah. So I think, there are a few different ways that a few different ways we can take this. So I'll talk about a few things that I see frequently with entrepreneurs, and then maybe you can tell me which path seems more, more interesting or, or relevant to go down. 
So one habit that a lot of entrepreneurs want to form is continually learning, right? Makes a lot of sense. You don't want to stay stagnant. You want to continue to get smarter and get better at whatever your craft is, whatever your business is. Oftentimes people have just information overload and they'll go through these periods of consuming every podcast they can get their hands on, every book they can get their hands on. And I'm not knocking podcasts, not knocking books. I love those things. But it's, again, when we think about habits, it's the things that you do every day that seem small, that seem maybe insignificant, maybe reading a chapter a day or listening to just 15 minutes of a podcast a day. If you do that every day for a year compared to one month, you just cram everything in and then you get burnt out and get stressed out because other things are going wrong. You're going to set yourself up for failure. And ultimately, you're not actually going to apply anything that you're learning anyway, because you're just taking in too much too quickly. So often when it comes to information diet and digital diet with people, I help them just figure out a cadence for themselves that allows them to learn a good amount, to be able to digest it, but more importantly, actually apply it. Because that's what I find the biggest thing, not just in entrepreneurs and many people, they're always learning, always consuming, but they're never actually taking the time to apply it. And so that's, that's a common thing that I, I see with a lot of people. That is, that's awesome. And that is spot on great advice. Cause the thing is like reading a book, right? They they've done studies on this and I, I highlight this study some places. A lot of people will have a problem, right? You'll have a challenge. I need to, let's go back to weight loss. That's an easy one. And they'll browse Amazon or they'll browse Barnes and Noble and they'll buy the top three books on weight loss. And in your brain, subconsciously, that scratches the itch. And it's like, oh, I know how to lose mm -hmm. weight now. Those books go home. They go on the bookshelf. You might, might flip through them. Or if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you read all 10 of them, but then you don't have time, quote, have time to implement anything because it's too hard. I think that's something that a lot of us tell ourselves, or we need a teammate. We need a team person to implement that for us. I've heard that one a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I like, instead, you're saying be a little bit more intentional. Listen, if you're listening to a podcast, listen to that podcast for a little bit each day. Something I always try to tell people is whatever, if you're going to read every day, I read every day pick one thing from what I read and find somewhere to implement it. Even if it's just teaching somebody about it, if I just make a Facebook post because I'll remember it better mm -hmm. and it will help me implement it in my life because we, you nailed it. Even if you learn something that is not the same as implementing it, but it feels the same to our brain. So you have all these people. I've it's something I've seen a ton. People running around with all the information and zero in the bank account. And it's because they're they just because you know it, you're not you're not actually implementing it or moving forward with it. Um yeah. One 100%. another habit, I, I want to share this habit because I think it is really impactful and that you touched on like a screen diet, right? Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that changed, I, I like I'm a big believer in habits, I have morning routines. I have stuff that I do, but one of the biggest single habits that changed for me, I started sleeping with my phone in the office. So I shut it off at 10 o'clock at night. It's always on do not disturb. So only about 10 people can get through and all the other text messages go in or go there, but I only read them once or twice a day at night. I put my phone on the charger at 10 PM and it does not get touched. Everybody in my life that's important to me, my parents, my girlfriend, everyone knows that. 
I don't look at it the next day until noon. Unless, mm. unless like today was a little bit different because we had something in the morning. So I knew I had to check it. But there is, I don't wake up. So many people wake up and right away they're on their phone. Well, what's happening? You're yeah. becoming reactive to Facebook. You're becoming, you're checking your emails. Oh my goodness, there's stuff I have to deal with. Like none of that stuff is super important. None of it. There's nothing there that can't wait three hours. Like now I get my day set. I have my goals. I've read, I've worked out. I'm in a perfect mental state to mm. deal with things. And I usually do an hour's worth of work before I check my phone. That way, the most important thing of the day, whatever it is, is knocked out. I don't like, yeah. I just want to share that because the screen diet, everyone's like, oh, I'm just looking at Facebook. That, that stuff affects you way more than you know. Oh yeah. In terms of, uh, so, in so many ways, clarity of thought, like you, you just hit the nail on the head because it's, it's the first, I think they've done surveys. It's like 70% or more of people, their phone is the last thing they look at before they go to sleep. And the first thing that they look at when they wake up, those are, think about it. Those are two of the most kind of like, I don't know, sacred is the right word or just intimate kind of parts of your day, right? Like you're choosing essentially what you're looking at right before you go to sleep and let your brain kind of do its thing. And then right before you get your entire day started. And I love the fact that you share that because that's, that's such a, it's such an impactful habit. And I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with sharing how it's impacted you and how it allows you to think clearly. The word that you said is reactive. When you, the first thing you look at is your phone. That's exactly right. You become reactive and now you're on defense as opposed to being proactive and you getting to set the tone for your day. Like you get to choose how you're going to approach the day as opposed to just putting out fires, responding to, to things that, like you said, are just at the end of the day, they're not that important. Yeah, that's, that is it. Karen, it has been awesome having you on the show. If people want to learn more about you, if they want help with forming better habits, where can they go? Where can they connect with you? Where should they find you? Yeah. The two best places to reach me or to find me, one on Instagram at Kieran Lenahan Coaching. And then my website is lenahancoaching.com. Uh, if you're interested in talking, you can schedule a free consult with me. Uh, we'll also include, uh, like we talked about earlier, a, a link to that fear setting document in case you want to just run through the, the worst case scenario in your head. Um, but connect with me there and reach out to me. You know, you can, I think both of those places have uh, links to be able to contact me or email me. So please don't hesitate to reach out. I love to meet new people. So I would love to, to chat with you all. Awesome. Kieran, it has been a true pleasure to everybody listening. I hope you got a ton out of this episode. You can always go back and listen to it. You can find us on YouTube if you want to listen to specific clips and check out Kieran's body language because he definitely knows what he is talking about and he's got a great smile. To everyone tuning in, thank you for paying attention today. Until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out and they're free at storiesthatscale.com.
Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon.